Howdy, folks. We're doing a quick little intro for this episode. Andras here. It's Brian. Now, uh, pretty cool. Last week we got uh, we got noticed by Craig Brewer, <laughs> the director of Black Snake Moan. I know. Sounds like we really like. Sounds like he was going through a rough day. He was like, "Man, I really needed this." I'm like, "Dude, you have the biggest movie in the world coming out next week." <laughs> I know it was on his Twitter and it was like his tweet that day, like between tweets of his like press junket for coming to America. And I was like, what are you doing? Wasting your time? Listen to these schmoes. Don't come out your old movie. But I guess uh, maybe he woke up on the wrong side of the bed or, you know, you know, promoting a thing is a lot of work. It's exhausting. And you know, maybe he was starting reading some of the negative reviews if there was any. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm glad that we cheered him up. Oh, yeah. And who knows? Maybe he he's listening up. to this. Maybe he's hooked and he's like, I'm a fan of this show. And this this episode, maybe we'll cheer him up too or other people. Who knows? So, yeah. Um... <laughs> although he will be, he might be a little bit disappointed to find out that you are not going to be on most of this episode. He might be until he realizes that our guest host on this uh, this episode you're about to hear is Nigel Fullerton of the Murphy Monday podcast. Yeah. So it's it's just kind of fun how Black Snake Moan kind of rolls into the world of Eddie Murphy. We're not covering Coming to America. We're covering <laughs> a film called Meet Dave that yeah. you have a unique relationship with. Yeah, I got strangely obsessed by this movie through my friend Neil Cook, and then uh, me and this uh, other filmmaker named John Airy decided to kind of do like a super fan cut, found footage, whatever you call it, where we just kind of retooled Meet Dave and made it an art film called Meeting David, uh, which you can watch. How can you watch it? Yes, it's up on Vimeo, and I have posted it on the episode page for uh, for this episode at theworldiswrongpodcast.com. And so you can watch it. And I encourage you to, yes, please watch Meet Dave, and then watch Meeting David, and then listen <laughs> to the episode that is to follow. It's a long one, in part because at the end of it, we already recorded this earlier before Craig Brewer gave us the nice shout out. Brian comes yeah. on the show and talks about some of the stuff we just talked about. So uh, that's one of the reasons if you look at it, and you're like, wow, this is a really long episode. That's one of the reasons. <laughs> also, at the end, uh, we included there's a segment from the Radio 8 Ball podcast that features Nigel Fullerton when he was on the show the Radio 8 Ball show a year and a half ago, and I included his question and song answer. And that, again, accounts for nice. some of the length. But it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I have a great time talking with Nigel. Uh, of course, we miss you, Brian, but not much yeah. because you're here. It's hard to miss you while you're here. But during the show, <laughs> but, we were missing you, yes. But I got to have a good conversation with him on his show. We kind of did a little tradesies. Where oh, yeah. I was on Murphy. I'm on, I'm on the episode of Murphy Mondays this week. It's out. Uh, it's out now, and we covered... Uh, I Spy, the Eddie Murphy I Spy movie, which I'm a fan of, which equally hated uh, like uh, the other movies we've covered. I believe it was nominated for many of a Raspberry Awards, meaning it must be good. Yeah, so. <laughs> and not to not to give away any spoilers, but one of the things that we talk about on the podcast you're about to hear is sort of I don't know a, a dialectic that. 
Nigel has set up between Eddie Murphy and Adam Sandler. A lot of time on the Murphy Monday podcast, he's like, people say this about Adam Sandler. Why don't they say this about Eddie Murphy or vice versa? <laughs> so did you have a detente? Are you, is there peace in the world I, of comedy think, between Eddie I Murphy and Adam so. Sandler if, now? If you listen to the Murphy Monday episode, I feel like I was able to bring it up in a way of like, they're the same. They're dealing with the same problems, which is them versus the Raspberry Awards. <laughs> so like that's the same fight. And like, you know what? We're also in the same fight because you and I also like to versus the Raspberry Awards. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, uh, then without any further ado... Why don't you check out this episode, folks? Check out these movies. Hope you have a good time. And... Radio 8-Ball. Andras here. When I'm not co-hosting the World is Wrong podcast, I'm hosting and producing the Radio 8-Ball podcast, where we answer questions by picking songs at random, like picking musical tarot cards. We've hosted musical divinations for people like John C. Riley, Patricia Arquette, Tignataro, and Fred Armisen, and hosted over 200 songwriters providing the randomly chosen answers from Inara George and Dan Byrne to Mose Allison and Alan Toussaint. That's Radio 8 Ball, all one word. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and download our app from the iTunes App Store. Hey everybody, I'm Nigel Fullerton from the Murphy Monday Podcast. I want every one of you to check out The World is Wrong Podcast. Yes, they made a podcast, people. The world is wrong about the movie that you hate. Is that good? <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> you really put some stank on it. <laughs> We're here to tell you how the world is wrong. The world Meet Dave! <laughs> oh, welcome to The World is Wrong, an extremely positive podcast where we celebrate films the world is wrong about. I am your host, Andras Jones, and we have a special guest host today, and he is... Nigel Fullerton, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball as... Sorry. <laughs> I fall into old habits. Welcome to The World is Wrong. I almost welcomed you to Radio 8 Ball because that's how we met. You were a guest on Radio 8 Ball with your friend and collaborator, Anya Marina. You're, you're a co-star in the Anya Marina Independent Woman series. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, have you been keeping up with Anya? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, we've been talking behind the scenes because we did want to do a season two. Uh, so I've been talking to a lot of people behind the scenes about it. But because of the current situation, we haven't been able to see everyone in person. We're all just dreaming and scheming. <laughs> Basically. Uh, but the reason you're here is to talk about the film Meet Dave. You are the host of the Murphy Monday podcast, which celebrates the life and work of Mr. Eddie Murphy. And you want to tell us and our audience a little bit just about what inspired you to start a podcast called 
Murphy Mondays. Is it Murphy Monday or Murphy Mondays? I, I'm a subscriber, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm also a pothead. It's, so. it's, yeah, it's the Murphy Monday podcast. Thank you. Uh, what made me start doing this podcast was um, a couple of reasons. Basically because um, when you hear the words Eddie Murphy, a lot of people have different responses. When they think about Eddie, uh, some good, some really, really bad. But what I find is that most of the people that have bad uh, things to say about Eddie, they've never actually watched any of his great movies. <laughs> and they normally go by movies like Dr. Doolittle, Haunted Mansion, uh, basically his family run where they never seen certain movies. They only go by the what the critics say. And from what I find in my research is that most of the movies that we love from Eddie Murphy have mixed to low reviews. The other reason why I started the podcast was, and this is a little bit of a sad story, but uh, I had a friend who uh, committed suicide a couple of years ago. Mm. And before she, um, she met her untimely death, she wrote me a post on Instagram that said, I always believed in you. You are the next Eddie Murphy. Wow. Yeah. And that kind of hit really hard. So I was like, sheesh. And, and it's like three years later and I was thinking about something to do. And I was like, you know what? I had an idea uh, back in 2017. I was like, you know what? Why not just bring it out and see what happens? And if people like it, then I'll keep doing it. If they don't, well, hey, I have content. <laughs> it, almost, it almost sounds like. I think it, it makes a lot of sense that that you responded to the world is wrong you reached out to us you you saw what we were doing you actually were like hey you should have me on your podcast and i checked out your podcast for like half a second i was like yes we should because uh, it feels like both of our podcasts are devoted to sort of in part like i say that we're here to celebrate films the world is wrong about but a lot of the right. films we choose we're also having to defend films that we feel like the world is wrong about like against whatever like in your case and i think uh brian my co-host i wish he was able to be here because he has a similar thing with adam sandler and with jerry lewis sort of defend feeling like he has in order to celebrate them he also <laughs> has to defend them at the same time because even though they're very very successful like eddie murphy is very very successful something about very very successful comedic actors comedians inspires like almost as much hate or a very loud minority of hate <laughs> got you you know what i mean and i feel like so i i i've i've got that from the from the episodes of the uh the murphy monday podcast that uh, i've listened to is that you are uh, not only there to celebrate Eddie, but often to defend him and to, you know, to really make the case to get him back into some conversations that you feel like he is left out of. Yeah, um, I feel like he, he's left out of a lot, you know. Well, that's why you are the perfect person to guide us through this film that I had never seen. Well, first, I... I I, I want to talk to you about that with, with Brian. Um, so I've listened to some of your the podcast, and um, I love your podcast about John Bryan, by the way. Uh, you guys go so in-depth uh, because the only things I know about John Bryan uh, were 
the Fiona Apple album, and Kanye West. He did that album with Kanye West. Uh, I believe it's uh, Late Registration. Those are the only two things I knew about John Bryan. It's, he's one of those guys who I feel like everyone in the world who pays attention to music or has for the last 25 years is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. We have one or two things that we kind of know him from, but you don't know that there's this whole massive universe of material. So it was fun. I'm glad you dug that. I'm glad you dug that. Had you so uh were you aware of it being John Bryan with Fiona Apple and Kanye West or were you I wasn't aware of John Bryan until Kanye West talked about John Bryan. I'm not going to lie to you. Um I I knew of Fiona Apple. I knew of the song Criminal. Uh I remember it being on like TRL a, a lot or whatever MTV countdown show they had before TRL. Um, I remember the, I remember the album being really big. I didn't know John Bryan did that until Kanye West was talking about how great John Bryan was. And I was just like, well, how come Kanye West isn't producing his own album? And then when I heard late registration, I was like, I see why I got to figure out who this guy, John Bryan is. Well, that's why we're, we're here to, we're here to, do a service. I mean, really, it was fun for me. Brian was the one who was doing the service. Can you imagine if, like, a friend of yours was like, hey, I want to do a five-hour podcast. We didn't know it was going to be that long, but uh, uh, no. devoted to this artist <laughs> that you're vaguely aware of, and here's a folder with, like, 500 songs in it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was, <laughs> It was a lot. That's a test of friendship, and, and Brian definitely yeah. rose to the occasion. For me, it was just a chance oh, to man. nerd out. I loved it. I'm, so I'm glad you dug it. Well, shout out to uh, uh, your your co-host, Brian, because um, I, I've never met anybody who has loved Adam Sandler as much as he does. <laughs> um, it's it's I've never seen Jack and Jill, so I can't really um, I can't really like throw any shame or judgment toward uh, the movies that he loves from Adam Sandler. I just know that I, I feel that Adam Sandler has great potential in him. I just wish that he wouldn't make all of these movies that he keeps making now. I know he can make better movies than what he's been putting out. Um, and, you know, I know the people who are produ- who are helping him produce these movies, like Hubie Halloween and, and uh, The Do-Over and all these other movies. And, I, I, like I said, I love Adam Sandler for Wedding Singer. I love him for uh, Big Daddy and Fifty First Dates, but I can't get on board with Jack and Joe. Well, you got to check it out, man. <laughs> no, this is great. This is, I, I mean, this is the work we're doing. Like, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna pivot here to like to celebrating this film because I think I, I, I and I cannot wait to talk about it with you. Uh, Meet Dave yeah. is such an interesting comedy, but like. Like Jack and Jill, I feel like it's a movie that if you show up with your arms crossed, sort of like, okay, movie, don't be stupid, <laughs> then you're gonna you're gonna see you're, you're gonna miss this movie. <laughs> but if you show up to this movie like, okay, movie, take me, you know, like be stupid, be it's a comedy. Like I want some, I want some stupid, I want some smart, I want some funny, I want some. You know, whatever, whatever we're going to get into with me, Dave. I just think it's, yeah, I, uh, 
the the reason we're we're having starting to have guest hosts is because Brian has all these other things that he's working on. He's working on a he's working on a book. Called, are you familiar with uh, Emmanuel, the series? The yeah. yeah. Oh yes. So he. Oh, oh yes. He's really? writing a book called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Like Emmanuel. <laughs> okay. And he and his uh, writing partner already wrote a book called Destroy All Movies that was a catalog of every appearance of a punk rocker in a movie. Like they could be a like a, an extra walking through the background of a Bette Midler film from 1982. But they cataloged okay. every one that they could find. And it's a massive tome. Point is that Brian goes off on these really wonderfully nerdy deep explorations into things that nobody Ooh. would ever do okay but because of that it makes him a great yeah, well, it makes why him, it makes him a great <laughs> co-host uh to work because right. he'll go deep on stuff but it also means he has to set up some good boundaries or else he's never going to finish his book emmanuel emmanuel and i got i can't why emmanuel though i think it's because it's just it's a Basically, it's a genre unto itself that sort of everyone's vaguely aware of. Nobody has really paid attention to. There are like, like there's Emmanuel's in all these different countries. He says there's like over 200 Emmanuel movies. Wow. You know, and it it lives sort of in this nether world. It's not quite legitimate, but it's not porn and it's from a certain era and that's not how I looked at it when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how you looked at it. No, I was like, this is the first, this is the first cable show that I can watch that shows Bush. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I remember it. I have very different memories from, you know, uh, like pre preteen me versus now i'm like uh yeah i guess i guess you can have a case for it being very tasteful and very like you know sensual and seductive but i wasn't thinking that when i was a kid no you were just a <laughs> avid bush supporter uh I, hey man <laughs> i support the bush <laughs> and i'm sure it supports you right back um, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but the the point is, I just want to say that, like you, I think uh, at some point we'll have to have you back on an episode where Brian's here because I feel like I am. Uh, this is my job to play the straight man to the to these fans of these much maligned funny men. And I, I mean, I love Eddie Murphy, and I love. Yes. Uh, I mean, I've actually. I have grown to love Adam Sandler and to, to acknowledge it through being friends with Brian. I've always known that I loved Eddie Murphy uh, just because of where he right. hit me when I, like I was just the right age uh, for this, but we'll get into yeah. all of this. Let's, let's, let's pivot to sure. talking about meet to meet Dave. So I'm going to play a clip from the film and then mm -hmm. let's uh, come back and you tell us about this movie. Ha 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 ha. So, where are you from? Do you live around here? Yes, of course. I am just a regular person from right here on Earth, just like you. Huh. I just don't get out that much. <laughs> yeah, judging from your suit, I'd say since about 1978. <laughs> Note, all oh. white apparel is not as standardized as we thought. You late for a Bee Gees concert or something? The Bee Gees? 
Perry, Robin, and Maurice, the brothers Gibb, winning 10 Grammy Awards and selling over 100 million records. Oh, you can't tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman, man. Now it's time to talk. Hey, 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 save my life. Meet Dave is a 2008 comedy uh, about a crew of miniature aliens who operate a spaceship that has a human form that looks like Eddie Murphy. While trying to save their planet, the aliens encounter a new problem as their ship becomes smitten with an Earth woman. And that's the basis, uh, I guess, the, the main plot of this movie. There's so many other elements of, of us watching Meet Dave, whereas it's this guy who learns about uh, learns about people from Earth from the Internet, which is the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's the that that's the main that's the main premise of the movie. That's great. And uh, and how do you feel like the world is wrong about this film? I feel like the world is wrong about this film only because this movie is, uh, quote unquote, a family movie. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. When it comes to this movie, people are looking for Eddie Murphy to be, ooh, the old Eddie Murphy. Ooh, we're waiting for 48 hours, trading places, Eddie Murphy. We're waiting for coming to America. And you get this movie about Eddie learning how human beings interact with other human beings. And there's so much physical comedy that happens with Eddie in this movie that I believe a lot of people who see this like the charm of this movie and they like what's going on. And it sucks that the I, the ratings for this movie were extremely low. Uh, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, you will find Meet Dave at 20% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 35% audience score. There's actually um, jokes on Family Guy about people not seeing Meet Dave. And a lot of people say, oh, Meet Dave, I don't get it. Well, did you see Meet Dave? No, I didn't really see it. So why don't you understand? Yeah, I don't like when Eddie Murphy does family movies. This movie is hilarious. <laughs> um, scenes like him at at uh, Old Navy, and he's he's greeting everybody with this silly phrase, welcome to Old Navy. <laughs> Watching him shake hands or or walk through Times Square or even... Even like trying to figure out what money is and <laughs> laminating it and, and uh, photocopying it with his ass. <laughs> yeah. This movie is hilarious and I don't understand why people don't get it. It's, so did you see it when it came out? Were you, are you like a are you you go to see the Eddie's movies when they come out? Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. Um, for the past, I guess, um, 20 years. I have been watching Eddie Murphy's movies for the performance, not technically for the movie. Um, I feel that sometimes the performance uh, cannot be affected, but everything around the movie can be affected by so many different factors, whether it being the studio, the director, um, how people interact on set, off set. There's a lot of factors that come into movies that, show up on the film that we don't really know about. But once we find out more about it, we're like, Oh, I get what they were trying to do. And I get what happened and meet Dave. I don't see any of that stuff happening. And I, like I said, I don't understand why when people say they didn't like meet Dave, I try to figure out why they didn't like it. 
And for the most part, what I get from people is that they didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, or at all, or like, or hear about it at all. Like, I had I had not heard about this movie until you told me about it. And then when I found out that Brian also had a weird obsession with it, I was like, oh, okay, okay, we're definitely going to do this movie. And I did a little research, and it's so recent. And it it's yeah, it's, it's so recent. Well, yeah, from two thousand eight. So it's it's. You know, it's had it's had a little bit of time, but it didn't it didn't make much make its money back. And I I'm finding this weird story, at least on their Wikipedia, that the film company, even though it's a science, like when you described it, you immediately talked about it as a science fiction film and about this tiny crew inside of this ship. But right. the film marketed itself. <laughs> as a movie that wanted like it, there's basically the the studio was like if you let audiences know this is a sci-fi film then that's going to scare some people away and it's sort of like yeah. it's such a weird bait and switch because they're going to find out that it's a sci-fi film at the very beginning of the like the second the movie right. starts and the sci-fi aspect of it is the most exciting part to me, is the as far as the story. Although, we'll get into it, but Brian had done his own fan cut of Meet Dave called Meeting David, in which he <laughs> took out all of the sci-fi elements. And so we just have Eddie Murphy acting really strange and uncomfortable with people who don't quite know how to deal with him, but all put up with him. Right. Which is one of the things I want yeah, to talk it, about in the film is all of the the straight man performances in it, particularly Elizabeth Banks, who I think... <laughs> <laughs> I want to like... I, I don't know. If I... is If I could give her a non-ironic high five that is also sort of like... I'm so impressed with how you could play dumb like you're an incredibly smart woman and you play the someone who was so dumb for an hour and a half long movie and it works and you don't become <laughs> cloying and, and annoying much uh what did you think about right. <laughs> we'll talk about Eddie Murphy but for for me there's something about Elizabeth Banks's performance in this that is on this other level of like you're an actor you know when you get a job where you're like oh Oh, I guess I'm going to have to, this isn't one for my art, but I'm still going to come to it like an artist and give a, like, okay, I'm a professional. I'm going to give a hundred percent to this thing that you want. And what you want is something that well, in this role is just like the antithesis of everything that I think of Elizabeth Banks being like really smart, really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like wickedly funny and smart like she was able to be in 30 rocker and you know she's like a a mover and shaker in the industry but in this film playing the mother of this kid who uh finds the meteor rock that the spaceship is uh, the ship that is eddie murphy is coming after uh right she just has to (laughs) smile and like accept things through this movie that no real person would. And that is just such a taxing thing as an actor. Are you, do you love her performance in this? I I, I do. I feel like there's a very wholesome uh, take that she gives to this character uh, without being annoying. Like you said, for, for her to play and you know, this is a kid's movies and a lot of the kids movies, the parents are like the worst thing in the movie. Right. Right. So 
watching her watch Eddie Murphy drink a whole bottle of ketchup <laughs> or, or punt her cat, he kicked her cat in the middle. And she's like, oh, what, what was that? Did something happen? Oh, kitty. Like, she's, like she's even, it's like, it's like a lesson in being the, the clueless straight character. Like, oh, did that happen? Oh, okay. What aren't you charming? Like, she doesn't. Yeah, like, there's so many different references. Like, for instance, how Eddie Murphy dresses like he's late for a Bee Gees concert. Or even when when she talks about her ex-husband who is, you know, is deceased. And she says he was a captain. And he was like, oh, I am a captain. And she said, the captain of what? I am a captain of crunch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like he, but the funny thing is, and I'm, I'm the reason why he says things like that is he's trying to be a human. And what they did was to find out what these humans are like. They went and Googled everything about humanity. And what they found was that the longer that they stayed on that planet, the more assimilated to human culture that they were becoming. And, and you see these people who are very robotic, very like, you know, uh, they they have numbers, one, two, three. You know, everybody has a number except for Lieutenant Buttocks. Um, but they all are robotic. And then once you see toward the end of the movie, they all have personalities now. Uh, you know, number three becomes, actually number four becomes Johnny Dazzles. Yeah. <laughs> and he's fabulous. <laughs> Um, there's like so many different things that happens with this movie that are so funny. And especially for a movie that came out in 2008 that has Kevin Hart and he's not annoying. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) and it's one of those things where you see an actor like that. And if you're not clear on the timeline, you're like, why is like, he'll just show up for like two or three seconds walking through a scene. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Wasn't there supposed to be a scene with this guy in it? No, no, he was. He's he's kind of a bit player in it, uh, but it's a great. Yeah, yeah the, I really I maybe it's be through because I watched Brian's version of meeting David after watching it. Right. That and then I went back for today <laughs> and I went back and and watched the thing the whole thing again because I wanted to be in the mood and. I re, after taking out the sci-fi part, that is now my favorite part of the movie. Although I love, like, I really love Eddie Murphy figuring out how to be a human. It reminds me of, do you ever see Starman, the Jeff Bridges, John Carpenter film where he has to, basically it's a similar thing. It's a alien comes to earth and has to figure out how to be a human. In this case, he takes on the body of this, uh, guy who has died and goes and, uh, has an adventure with this guy's uh, widowed wife, but they both got this okay. great thing of like trying a, like a great actor doing the physicality of trying to figure out how to move and manipulate a human body. Just the physicality of that at the opening of the movie. That was what got me right off the bat was like, okay, we're getting to watch yeah, a master do great physical comedy. Yeah. And I, I don't think he gets enough credit for his physical comedy, per se. I think, like, I look at Eddie Murphy's career in sports terms, right? So, in the beginning of your career, you can get by being that fast-talking, wise-cracking guy. 
but you have to change your game up a little bit. Like, like uh, LeBron James, for instance, he was known as like a scorer, like, you know, and now he's more of a, a passer rather than like a dunker. He's known more for his um, basketball brilliance in his, in his frame of mind rather than that new kid on the block. So you have to grow and evolve and, Meet Dave is that movie that we see Eddie Murphy in his most physical capacity. And I I caught right on right from the very beginning when he was trying to learn how to walk and trying to learn how to smile (laughs) and freaking everyone out in Times Square. How do you freak out the naked cowboy? He's naked. (laughs) You stare at him as if you want to learn how to be a human. <laughs> that's that's how you freak exactly. him out. And yeah, and you know what's also crazy about this movie? Um, the sci-fi element is very important because Eddie Murphy is a big Star Trek fan, right? He was supposed to be in, I believe, The Wrath of Khan or Star Trek Six. Not sure. But he's always been a big, big, big Star Trek guy. And he always wanted to be Captain Kirk. Well, this is a movie that lets him do that. If you look at this as a quote-unquote Star Trek movie, this is him being commander of Starfleet. Every movie that Eddie Murphy does, he takes inspiration from different people from his childhood or people that, uh, or somebody from growing up. Like, for instance, if you look at Beverly Hills Cop, and 48 Hours, the way he holds a gun is how Bruce Lee would look fierce in a movie. Hmm. So there's levels to certain things that he does, and that's why I look for the artistic things that happen with Eddie Murphy that people tend to forget. Well, uh, so as the Eddie Murphy expert, we were talking about physical comedy. Mm -hmm. Are there other films of his that you feel like if you're into the physical comedy of Eddie Murphy or you want to like, or maybe you're not even aware of the physical comedy of Eddie Murphy. Are there any other films you'd recommend people check out? Um, Physical. He's been doing a lot of physical things toward the end. The problem is, is that when he's his most physical, the people around him need to be stronger. And that doesn't normally normally happen. Uh, for instance, there's a movie called a thousand words where Eddie Murphy cannot speak. Um, he's, he can't, if he does, the more words he speaks, the, the more he's going to die. So he has to be very careful with his words. And, um, it's, it's his performance is spot on funny. Uh, the problem is the move, the rest of the movie isn't all that funny. So, you know, when he's not the source of humor for the movie, the movie normally falls flat. It's not his performance. Um, I'll I'll give you another scenario. Uh, there's a movie called Holy Man that I watched recently. Oh yeah, and um, we were talking about the the marketing of the movie, right? You said that this movie was marketed wrong. It wasn't marketed as a sci-fi movie. Well, the marketing for Meet Dave was Eddie Murphy in Eddie Murphy, which is the weirdest. <laughs> the weirdest thing is Eddie Murphy in Eddie Murphy in Meet Dave. And that doesn't really like tell you what the movie is about. You just know Eddie Murphy. You don't know that Elizabeth Banks is in it. You don't know that Judah Freelander is in it. You don't know that um, um, Michael Malley's in it. 
<laughs> or Scott Kahn. Mm -hmm. You don't know any of these other people who are in it. And the same thing happens with Holy Man. I, I recently watched Holy Man, and I did a Holy Man episode for my podcast. And um, I really didn't want to do it because when I watch Holy Man, what I see is a Jeff Goldblum movie. Um, I see, I see Jeff Goldblum being the star and they added Eddie Murphy at the end of everything. Once everything finalized, they added Eddie Murphy in and then they said, well, Eddie Murphy's a bigger star. Why don't we just put him on the bill? Matter of fact, put him on the poster and make this an Eddie Murphy film. And if you look at the picture of Holy Man or the poster for Holy Man, it's just Eddie Murphy's face. <laughs> but Jeff Goldblum is the star of the movie. The story is about Jeff Goldblum meeting this guy who is kind of uh, on a spiritual journey. And everything about Eddie Murphy's performance is great. The rest of the movie is just like, how longer, how long does this movie go? Hey, Why hey, is John hey, 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 so, some of us <laughs> like Jeff Goldblum. See, I, to me, I think of it more like See? it's a, what about Bob with Jeff Goldblum as the Richard Dreyfus character and Eddie Murphy as the, the Bill Murray character in what about Bob? Like, yeah, it, I think mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with, I, you know, it's, it is a, it's, it's, it's a two hander. I think it's not an Eddie Murphy movie. It's an Eddie Murphy, Jeff Goldblum movie, but you're right. Eddie Murphy is the right. star, but if they really wanted to be honest about marketing it, then they would have, uh, <laughs> they actually, they, they would have done a, a knockout. You, you ever see 10 speed and Brown shoe? Yeah, that was. <laughs> I have <actually>. Yeah, <laughs> like it's then they would they'd market it more like, hey, this is like an updated, you know, version of that where it was the same kind of dynamic where Ben Vereen was where Jeff Goldblum was the nerdy Jewish guy who was like super mm. stress, you know, neurotic. And Ben Vereen was the one, you know, again, it sort of gets into that magical Negro trope. Um, although yeah. more so in Holy Man than in Ten Speed and Brown Shoe. I, you know what? I've gone, I have not yeah. gone back to watch it because I have such fond feelings about that show, but they're like 10 year old feelings. And I'm afraid if I watch it, right. that I will destroy them. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> let's, so we could do it. We, we should yeah. have you come back. We should do a Holy Man episode, but let's come back to meet Dave. I mean, listen. Yeah, let's get back to me, Dave. Um, no, what were you gonna say? Go what were you gonna, no, no, no. What were you gonna say about Holy Man? Uh, oh, about Ho uh, Holy Man. I, I mean, like I, I like Jeff Goldblum uh, in Jurassic Park. I like him in you know even even Ragnarok, uh, Thor Ragnarok. It's just for some reason um, it, it doesn't really. Once you he's watch, he's really it, annoying in that you. movie. It's true. He's annoying in Holy Man. Yeah. He's not yeah. a likable character. I, I wish he, and there's so, there's so much, but there's so much like, there's so many, so many things that's happening in Holy Man, like Betty White, um, James Brown is in the movie. <laughs> like, uh, uh, there's so many different things that's happening in that movie. And all I see is a, a movie from the late nineties that like could have been a better movie. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I, I gotta say though, going back to it, that one, it does hold up. In some, in some fun ways, and Eddie, Mur I love Eddie Murphy's performance in it. He just the, 
the sweetness and mischievousness of his character. Yes. And that's that's the most entertaining thing of it um, and that I like. And I, you know, I just wish I don't know. I just wish I just wish from a, the other perspective, it was it was just like on par, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious what other I wonder what other Goldblum fans think about like. Because I watched, I, I'm a big Jeff Goldblum fan. I like a lot of his stuff. But a lot of times he's playing mm-hmm. those kind of roles. And so you sort of have to sort of accept that that comes with the territory. Like the first film that we covered on on The World is Wrong was a film called Mad Dog Time. In which he gets to play like a okay. super suave, cool gunfight, like gangster gunfighter, sexy guy. And it's great. <laughs> but it's like... Okay. It, it's great because he never gets to play those, you know, that's, uh, right. But okay. We've given Holy man. It's due. Let's come back to meet Dave. So, um, okay. Sure. So in terms of you've done an episode on meet Dave, I know I told you I was going to listen to it. I'm sorry. I haven't uh, yet. I got caught up. Oh no, it's okay. But, uh, who was your guest host on your episode about meet Dave? I had, um, yeah, I had my good friend, uh, Colin Cosell. He's actually, the voice of the New York Mets. He uh, he's the announcer for the games, and uh, he's also Howard Cosell's grandson. Uh, he's a really good friend of mine. He had never seen Meet Dave. He never even heard of it, and he actually bought the movie, um, <laughs> sight unseen, and he watched this movie and was like, "Wow." This is actually a really funny movie. <laughs> and he 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 saw everything. Like he he looked at the reviews. He said it has 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. He was like, he said it lost money at the box office. It's ten, from 10 years ago. Like, I don't know, but I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna trust Nigel. And sure enough, he loved it. To the fact he watched it like three times already. And uh you know, I when you described it as a kid's movie, I guess I see that now. I wasn't watching it. Per- mm-hmm. Like, it definitely had kid elements to it, but I didn't really think of it as a kid's movie as I was watching it. Right. But I'm curious, does your co-host have kids? No, he doesn't. Huh. Okay. I'm just curious. I wonder how this lands. Like, I think that's part of the... Like, I don't have kids either. It's part of the... Like, <laughs> it's like when you're talking about uh, Adam Sandler and, like, I wish he would do right. m- better stuff. And I feel like if you're not into the family movie thing, there was a point where Eddie Murphy just took a hard turn into that. And people might say the same well, thing about his family movies as Adam Sandler's... I guess bro movies or whatever you'd call like that co- that style of comedy yeah. that it's a little bit mm-hmm. two dimensional as opposed to what we we'd we'd hope for you know we want Eddie Murphy to give us you know what do you think that that people as a as a fan what is it that you when you think of like if, if I can get the ultimate Eddie Murphy movie from not just him being in a great movie which I think he's certainly been in a lot and I think that's sort of the same case with Adam Sandler. Like he's been in a lot of great movies where someone else was the director, but when in, when they're the producers, right. you kind of wonder: Are you guys? Are you really trying as hard as you could? 
but they are. They're trying hard at doing this thing that if you're into it, like Brian is right. really into that. Like he doesn't think that Adam Sandler's slumming it at all when he does Grown Ups 2 or Jack and Jill or Hubie's Halloween. He's like, that's Adam Sandler. I love it. And you might feel the same way about right. Eddie Murphy. But at the same time, you can kind of understand how some people who are not along for the ride would be like, why doesn't Eddie Murphy make? Dream Girls, and why doesn't Adam Sandler make Uncut Gems instead of making Meat Days and Jack and Jill? You know, right? I mean, uh, in a case for for Adam Sandler, I will say that Adam Sandler has a has a fan base, and that fan base loves his movies that are, you know, the Jack and Jills, the Hubie Halloweens, the Water Boys. Like he, his bread and butter is that bro humor. And people have been wanting uh, Billy Madison for a good 20 to 30 years. And Adam Sandler is providing them different versions of his older characters. When I watched Hubie Halloween, all I could think of was, hey, that's the water boy all grown up. So the problem with that is, and it's not really a problem, um, because it is you're giving your audience what it wants, right? That's what his audience wants. That's what they get. The thing with Eddie is that he started when he was 19 years old. Okay. From 19 to about, I want to say 40, he had been putting out a movie a year. So you got movies like Trading Places, 48 Hours, um, Beverly Hills Cop, 1, 2, and 3, um, Distinguished Gentleman, Harlem Nights, Boomerang, Nutty Professor, um, Vampire in Brooklyn, all these movies that he kept putting out, putting out, putting out every single year. He was just putting out a movie, Golden Child. Um, And most of those movies was a fast talking Eddie Murphy, the same guy that you you fell in love with in 48 hours. He was still doing it for most of the 80s. Well, once the 90s come around, I mean, late 80s, like I think really after coming to America, because a lot of people feel like that's his apex, right? Mm -hmm. They feel like he peaked after coming to America. Okay, but you also have a movie like Harlem Nights that has Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, and uh, Red Fox in, in like three generations of comedy happening in a movie, which is hilarious, but critics panned it. You know, they gave it a 20% like in Rotten Tomatoes. Um, if you look at movies like Boomerang, which has Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, Chris Rock, David Allen Greer, critics panned that. He kept doing different types of movies for everyone. And and critics just kept coming after him, like saying, oh, this, this is bad. Like, we want the old Eddie Murphy. What is the old Eddie Murphy? This man is growing up before your eyes. He's no longer 19. He's now a grown man. Axel Foley can't be the same Axel Foley at 40. So what happens? Well, life happens. He has 10 kids, and he wants his kids to be able to see his movies. Obviously, he's this big movie star. He wants to do more movies that's going to create more revenue and more money. We all know that rated R movies don't perform well in the box office. So... A smart man who is making $20 million a movie is like, you know what? I'm going to start doing more family films. Why? It gets it puts me to a larger audience. Yeah. More people can see me. And I can make more money for my 10 kids. And that's why you get the Dr. Doolittles. That's why you get the, 
the haunted mansions and the imagine that's and the nor well not norbit but um <laughs> that's why you get these pg-13 movies or these pg movies because he was trying something different because every time he did something you guys were like, oh, this isn't the Eddie Murphy I, I fell in love with. Why do you, why do you hey, keep wait, doing wait, sequels you guys, to movies? Wait, wait, wait. You guys, wait a second. Don't, don't let me in with... We're, I, I'm, this, <laughs> no, I'm not saying you. I'm on the side. I'm on, I'm on Team Eddie Murphy. You, <laughs> please. I know. I'm, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying... Like, oh, you're talking... You know, well, just you, like the If consensus. you're talking to my audience, that's fine. You guys were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like i mean it makes sense if i'm going to do the shrek movie and okay it did well and now the the studio saying hey why don't we make a shrek 2 why don't we make shrek 3 why don't we make shrek 4 i'm not going to tell you no oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know but i'm all this is the thing mm-hmm. this is the thing i mean that's i think this is where i guess it where it's just harder it's it's better and harder for comedians because once you become that famous as a comedian, you're right. The money yeah. is in family fare and family fare is usually a little bit watered down. And so if you were a fan of what right. made that comedian great, which was their sort of truth telling and tweaking of authority and all of the things that made them seem dangerous, and then eventually... Mm-hmm. You don't want to begrudge them, you know, whether it's Adam Sandler or Eddie Murphy or Robin Williams or Steve Martin or any of the people who were really cool once. Well, that's what I was just about to say. And then became kind of uncool, but they made good money being uncool. You can't really begrudge them that. But then it leaves a lot of like the people who are out of it, who aren't fully bought in, in that place where you were at the beginning of the saying, like, but Adam Sandler could be so good. Yeah. I wish he would just do something good. And he'll be like, but man, the other Jack and Jill made so much money and it was good. It just wasn't as I, good as you did. Wanted. It really make a lot of money. Yeah, it was a big hit. It was like, I'm, I'm going to watch Jack and Jill just because, just because the world is wrong. Podcast said that the world is wrong about this movie. I'm going to watch Jack and Jill uh, with an open mind. Make I'm Brian not going to so say happy. that this is Adam Sandler. <laughs> I will. I'm going to watch it because I, I I'm not going to lie to you. I do trash Adam Sandler on my podcast, not in a bad way um, because I do want more for him. I do want better for him. And I do think that he still has potential my main criticism is that a lot of people trash Eddie Murphy and they talk about his family run where you just said it yourself. Uh, Steve Martin had did family movies. Robin Williams did family movies. Like all these people did family movies and no one said, well, I want the old Robin Williams back. I did. Or I want I w- the jerk from Steve Martin. I did. Okay, well, probably. <laughs> I think you. a lot of us, I think that's it. <laughs> but, I think a lot of comedians lose their audience, the cool audience, when they get, when they start making money and having kids and wanting to make stuff that their kids can watch, but nothing wrong with that. But I think yeah. it's kind of universal. I, I don't know anyone like it. Go on, sorry, I didn't. I interrupted you. It's not not cool. Go on. No, 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 no. I was, I was just agreeing with you. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just trying to think if there's any comedians, comedic actors, who and or stand up comedians who became film stars who managed to thread that needle and stay cool and contemporary and successful through a whole career. Richard Pryor wasn't able to do it. Um, You know, Jerry Lewis certainly wasn't able to do it. Right. Um, Right. 
you know, uh, the only person that I could say, the only person that I could say who technically isn't a stand-up, but the only the only person I can say that still quote unquote seems cool to people is Bill Murray, and he's not a stand-up per se. He's a comedic actor, yeah. but he's not a stand-up. Uh, he's more improv guy. But I mean, even even with Steve Martin, where people revere Steve Martin, and even Robin Williams, they like his, like a lot of people like his besides you. A lot of people like the family stuff that he did when he did comedy. Robin Williams comedies aren't the best, but the family movies that he's done and the, um, you know, the dramatic, dramatic roles that he's played are the best. When we look at, when we look at movies like, um, Goodwill hunting and good morning Vietnam and, um, and even Jumanji, like we look at those movies and those are a lot of people's childhood. I mean, the best, like comedy that Robin Williams has is Mrs. Doubtfire. But when you look at the other ones like uh club club paradise, or if you look at a movie like flubber or father's day with Billy oh, Crystal yeah. and yeah. Robin Williams, yeah. I believe me. I know this is a, this is the, this is the thing. The money is enticing, right? Someone does a $20 million movie and they're going to give you $8 million to play a robot who becomes president or something. It's like, okay. Yeah, Bicentennial Man. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah. I think maybe that might be part of it, is if you're a stand-up comedian, you aren't invested in getting your message out through your films because you can always go on stage and tell the truth in a way. Like, Robin Williams' right. stand-up didn't get bad when he when his movies were bad. His, he was always Robin Williams. Right. You know, I, I got to throw in someone. He's, he's not popular, but he's still dangerous. And I feel like he's maybe the one who really threaded the needle, which is Woody Allen. Okay. He went from stand-up comedy to making movies, and his movies stayed good and interesting for a long time. And now there's all kinds of controversy around him. And I'm a defender of a lot of artists. That's why I have the podcast, The World right. is Wrong. But I feel like he maybe is one <laughs> who actually managed, and it's because he wrote and directed it. And I feel like maybe Chris Rock is on that. Right is on that trajectory like he's uh, writing and directing his um, own stuff i mean now yeah now chris rock is is getting to that point but chris rock in movies it's like <sighs> chris rock is another one like i love i i think the best comedians i think the best stand-up comedians right i think that they normally have the worst movies if you look at someone like george carlin oh yeah. who is an amazing stand-up comedian. Oh, boy. His, it never translated to movies, ever. In short, in small doses. Like, wasn't he in Car Wash? I think he might have, like, I feel like he's he's good walking through, saying a couple of goofy stoner things and moving on. But I'm with you. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's never had a movie where he, like, helped, like even his TV show, which I, I remember, you know, was very short-lived, um... Even that TV show never really like went, I guess, past the second season. Yeah, I forget, but I'm almost positive, you know. And, and that's the thing with, with comedy. We're fickle. We're fickle with comedians. We give comedians probably a good two to three specials, and then we're like, hey, yeah, they're not the same anymore. They they went Hollywood. They went. They you know they got money. We do the same thing with music too. Oh but yeah, with comedians. It's more. Because I believe every comedian has a good three-year span before people are tired of them. Uh, and you see that with a comedian like Dane Cook. 
who uh, people were like on the Dane train for a very long. I, I, I'll admit it. I went to go see Dane Cook live in Madison Square Garden. Um, you know, I paid for those tickets in, you know, the early 2000s. But it's like after a couple of years, nobody was like, hey, this Dane Cook guy, uh, let's let's put him in another movie. Let's have Good Luck Chuck 2 or Employee of the Month. No one's saying that. Same thing with uh, Dice Clay. Dice Clay was the biggest thing out. Dice Clay, like, would pack arenas before any comedian ever packed an arena. And he couldn't make it in movies. They put him in this movie called Ford Fairlane. Oh, believe and me. And Ford Fairlane oh, yeah. tanked at the box office. It tanked. You know? Um, so it happens. I think we're harsher with with comedians um, there's more like psychology that goes into that, and I'll leave that for another day. But well, I I think we we are harsh on comedians. That's what I mean. Talk about Ford Fairlane for a second. Just if you compare, like, mm-hmm. sure, like, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole of that because that's a whole. We can do a whole. I yeah, I can do a whole podcast on that <laughs> film. There's so much to discuss. <laughs> uh, I'm not a big fan of the film, right. but I'm also sort of a fan of uh, elements that are around it. But it just right. makes. 48 hours and trading places and then Beverly Hills cop, but particularly those first two to come out of the gate that good, like Ford fair. I mean, uh, yeah. Andrew Dice Clay comes out of being a very successful stand-up comedian, very popular. He makes one movie and he makes mm-hmm. the wrong choice all across the board. And that movie just tanks and it takes 20 years for him to come back doing an ironic version of himself. Whereas Eddie Murphy, right. like you talk about, you do your top fives on the on the show. And to me, I always, yeah. when I think about that, I always have to put 48, 48 hours and trading places in the same sort of, they always have to be in my top five, even though I, I don't go back and watch them a lot. But to me, it's sort of mm-hmm. like if you're a, if, if you were there when the Beatles hit, like it, they might the first yeah. two singles might not be the best things they ever did, but when they hit you, they hit you in a place that you'd never been hit before, and you will always sort of be in love with that moment. And for me, when you're when we're talking about Ford Fairlane, you could just see Eddie Murphy making a movie that was that bad <laughs> instead of Forty Eight Hours, and then it would be a whole different story, right? It would. You, you know what's funny. Uh, also, when they say when they talk about Eddie Murphy's uh, Eddie Murphy in the 80s, like they say, oh, when he was in the 80s, he was killing it. A lot of people forget that Eddie Murphy in the midst of trading places, 48 hours and, and Beverly Hills Cop, he made a movie called Best. Oh, Defense. you're obsessed with the best defense. That- you just want to crap on poor little Dudley Moore. I've heard your rant. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Best defense. Like, honestly, I. I think that the Eddie Murphy portion of that movie is hilarious. I just, the Dudley Moore portion, and I have to watch that movie again, and it's very hard to find, but I have to watch that movie again um, just to see, you know, why it failed and and what could have made it better. I and, and I say it all the time. It looks like they just tacked on Eddie Murphy toward the end of the movie. And it's it's... It's crazy, but I, I do have an affinity for that movie. And I do like, it's my great white whale. Like I, I'm like, I searched for that movie for a long time just to see 
how it was and why Eddie Murphy, quote unquote, said on Saturday Night Live in 1984, that was a terrible movie. Well, you know, the best defense against an audience finding your work is burying it. <laughs> so I guess maybe that's True. that's what the that's the key to this film. And you know, that's what happens in an early like at the beginning of an actor's career when you get a role going, you people you just start getting, you know, okay, here's a chance for you to be in this film. Let's slot him into this, let's slot him into that. And then and then yeah. the good ones, you know, take control of their career at some point, which is, looks like that was what Eddie Murphy did after Beverly Hills Cop. But you could see a film like Best I mean, Defense I, sneaking I, in there because at, at that point, yeah. Dudley Moore was a, you know, was a very, very big, big star. Actor. You know, he'd had multiple yeah. huge hits in the last couple of years. And here's mm-hmm. the, you know, yeah, let's get in sort of like, it's almost like Kevin Hart in Meet Dave. Right. It's like. Right. If you're a hu- if you are a huge Kevin Hart fan and you go to see Meet Dave expecting to see your favorite comedian, you might come away feeling <laughs> about that the way you feel about Best Defense. It's like, wait, I don't get I I get I see him hanging on to a tonsil and that's it, you know? Not a tonsil. What's yeah, a uvula? Like, how come he- he's, hand- he's holding on to the <laughs> a uvula? Right. Yeah, but I mean, you 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 go like, well, how come they didn't give him more to do? But we also forget that Kevin Hart had a career for a good eight years before he got me Dave. Like we forget that Kevin Hart has been in scary movie three and four. Um, he, he was in um, fool's fool's gold with Matthew McConaughey and he did a movie with Usher called in, in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he had soul plane. He had his own like starring movie that he was in. He was the lead in the, in that movie. So I don't feel bad for him. I just know that after Soul Plane, it was kind of rough for him to get movie movie deals. Yeah, not everyone uh, not everyone comes out of the gate with forty eight hours and listen trading places. I, yeah, I just did my I did my first movie uh, a couple years ago, and it went straight to, it went straight to Netflix. But I did my first movie, and I thought, hey, great, I'm in a I'm in a, a biopic. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm playing a well-known character. I'm playing a, uh, I was in the movie Roxanne, Roxanne, and I'm playing Biz Marquee. And I'm like, okay, great. Everybody knows who that is. So everybody's going to see it because it's on Netflix. It's premiering on Netflix. It's, you know, they're doing movies now. So I'm all excited. And then I go on Twitter and I just hear people trashing me. And I'm like, geez. And I, I felt like I was, I felt like I did a decent job. And I know that, um, the story wasn't about me. It was more about uh, about Roxanne Chante, the rapper from the 80s. So, you know, I had a very small part in it, but I thought it was going to be monumental, change my career. And, you know, uh, everybody's going to know about this. And, you know, it didn't do what, what I would hope that it would do for my career. But, you know, I also feel the world is wrong about that movie. <laughs> I, I, I thought I felt like you might be on the verge of pitching all right, that we need to do Roxanne, Roxanne on The World is Wrong. It's a really good movie. Well, now I need to go check it out. It's a really good movie. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Um, Mahershala Ali is in there. Um, that's probably the biggest name, Mahershala Ali, uh, Nia Long. It was produced by Forrest Whitaker and Pharrell from the Neptunes. Um, yeah, it was It was like one of my like best experiences that I had on, on a movie set. So, you know... Pretty cool. Pretty cool. You know, speaking of uh, 
yeah. of, you know, you're talking about production. I was looking at this when we were going through this. I saw that Nicolas Cage was one of the producers on A Thousand Words. Were you aware of that? I did not know that. I did not know that. <laughs> Nicolas Cage must, you know, must love Eddie Murphy. Okay. Well, who does? I mean, this is the... Th- I did not know that. This is the thing. I mean, that's... I'm... I'm. Well, before we, we, we pivot, to, we've pivoted to a lot of different areas. And I feel like because mostly we're talking about Eddie Murphy and not just this film. But is there anything else, before we go fully into just Eddie land, is there anything else mm-hmm. about Meet Dave that you feel like is underappreciated, maligned, misunderstood? Something if you were, if you came across someone who had heard bad things about this, any, anything else you'd want to make sure that they were aware of that would make them maybe, it might entice them more? Um, just the fact that you have to go into this movie with an open mind. Um, it is very different from any other movie that he's done. It is not Dr. Doolittle. It is not imagine that or a thousand words. It's not on the level of those movies. Yes. It's in a run of movies that he's done over the years, but you have to go into it with an open mind. And I, and I've said this before uh, today, um, I look at it for his performance if you watch a movie for the, an actor's performance, you will get a better understanding of the movie rather than just trashing the whole movie. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. You know, there there are certain things and elements of this movie that, that are great. And yes, it is a kid's movie, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. We're too judgmental when it comes to movies and pop culture. We, we just, we, we fly off the handle. And when it comes to this movie, this movie is enjoy, enjoyable. This movie has, you know, it, it, it's aged a little bit. So don't get me, you know, don't get me like canceled out there, but there are things about this movie that are so uh, endearing, so great. So like to watch a robot gain heart and personality and we've loved this from movies like Short Circuit. <laughs> um, if you watched a, a TV show called Small Wonder when, when you were a kid, uh, we've seen these things happen. So, like, there there is a lot of um, entertainment value with this movie. And don't go by what critics say because nine times out of ten, the people who critique these movies are either ex-actors or ex-directors. Or ex film students, yeah, and don't forget that. I mean, it's a, it is really, even though it's, it's very much an Eddie Murphy movie. It's also very much an ensemble film with some really funny actors around him. And again, right, right. Gabrielle Union, um, Ed Helms is in the movie as well, and um, and Elizabeth Banks. I'll tell you, like just watching her. I was just, I was watching it again this this morning, and there's the, there's this thing. Basically, the movie starts where this medi- this tiny little meteor lands in the fish tank of uh, this kid in New York City, comes through the window, lands in his, in his fish bowl, and his mom comes in and played by Elizabeth Banks and sees a hole in the window and goes and looks down into this right. alley in the street and yells at these kids, how many times have I told you to stop playing ball? And it's like, that's not at all what make that doesn't make any sense in this alley scene like there's a bunch of kids who play ball baseball in this tiny alley outside of her place where they're clearly 
you know, <laughs> sparking up or doing something that has nothing to do with baseball. And if you want to see a performance that's just happening in this, I don't, I'd like to like the world that she is inhabiting to make this movie work is again, if you want to watch for the sake of performances, I feel like she and Eddie Murphy are both giving these, complete like she's almost more alien to my experience of a human being than he is right they're both giving these really outlandishly special performances from actors who you haven't seen this particular thing from and as an actor myself watching it i'm like there's a lot of craft going into this this sort of goofy dumb thing there there is it's yeah, there is. It's it's basically that's why they fall in love with each other because they're both kind of like aloof to certain things, and Al- this is like the tw- two thousand and eight version of Batteries Not Included. You know, <laughs> a film that is in my blind spot. Have not seen. You know, it's I haven't seen Batteries Not Included or Short hey. Circuit. So I I'm probably oh wow. I, you know, I I have some yeah. work to do. So let's let's move <laughs> a little bit to just Eddie Murphy now because I feel like we're in okay the beginning or the middle we're in or in some kind of plateau in a good way for Eddie Murphy I feel like Dolomite kind of changed the game for him and it's got me excited for this next chapter of Eddie Murphy's career and this is going to be coming out around the week of coming to America and yeah, I just wanted you. To, I wanted to maybe get the state of the Eddie Murphy universe from the standpoint of someone who's devoted a lot more time to looking at it than I have. What What do you see on the horizon for Eddie as a as a film artist uh, at this point and going forward? I think at this point, I think people are really excited for Eddie Murphy to come back to being in the limelight. Uh, Eddie Murphy is very reclusive. And he doesn't really like hang out and, you know, he's almost 60 years old. So like, he's not hanging out at this party or that party anymore. He's actually like more of a homebody. So it's just great to see him in certain places with Dolomite is my name, which he does. He does an amazing performance. in. I really wish that Eddie Murphy would do more acting roles, more things where he's, it's more dramatic and, and out of character than anything else and we see that in movies like uh dream girls we see that in movies like mr church where he's he's not the fast talking guy he's not what you're looking for because with comedy again we people judge comedy differently you don't really you can't really read the room as much as you want and it's it's more refreshing to see him play roles like like this, or I would love to see Eddie Murphy do a, a Rick James uh, a, a biopic. Like, I, I would love to see him do something like that. With a movie like Coming to America, I am skeptical, but I am hopeful. Um, I really, really, really want to see Eddie Murphy back on the big screen. And if if Coming to America is the vehicle, I would love that. I just see that they're they're angling to make more sequels of movies that we love. And they're trying to make a Beverly Hills Cop 4 uh, and so on and so forth. But I just like the resurgence of Eddie. I have high hopes for Coming to America 2, but I do not think it's going to eclipse Coming to America. Uh, and I think people who think that it's going to be that they're going to be very disappointed. 
Are you a, a fan of Craig Brewer, the guy who is directing Coming to America, and he directed My Name is Dolomite, and he did Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan? And, um, yeah, Hustle and Flow and uh, Black Snake Moan, yeah. Uh, I've watched all of Craig Brewer's movies, um, probably missed some in 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 between. Um what else has he done besides those movies that we know? Well, named? he was he worked a lot on just, Empire, because Empire is sort of like a spiritual sequel to Hustle and Flow. And he yeah. did the remake of Footloose, which I haven't seen. I, I didn't see that, yeah. <laughs> I never saw the, the original Footloose, so I couldn't see the, the remake. Yeah, I feel like it feels like Craig Brewer's career, as far as anyone, as like maybe it's just because this is how I've paid attention to, is Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan, and then a bunch of work for money, and then My Name is Dolomite, and now Coming to America. And having back-to-back Eddie Murphy films, and how good My Name mm-hmm. is Dolomite is does give me some hope that I don't know if it can eclipse I mean, nothing can eclipse the stuff that came before, but it it's not, it's, it's not going to eclipse it, but I do think that there's going to be certain things that we we're going to love from it. I mean, we have Wesley Snipes in a role where Wesley Snipes doesn't do a lot of comedy. So I would love to see the comedic chops of Wesley Snipes again. I mean, we haven't seen that since Tu Wong Fu. Well, yeah, and my name is Dolomite. Oh, yeah, well, well, I won't see. I don't see that as a comedy, per se. That's the thing. Like, I see that as just, I see that as, as a good movie. Yes, there are comedic elements, but I don't see it as, a, like, a true, like, comedy, per se. No, but I feel like Wesley Snipes' role was, was. Oh, yeah, I, I love that. I feel like I, he was, like, like the- Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. He's just, like, in this other, like, okay. I can be funny. Okay. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I loved his, mm-hmm. I loved his, his role in that film. And yeah, I think there's just, there's something, there's something exciting brewing there. And it, 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 one thing that I got out of this conversation that I hadn't really thought of is, you know, you have 10 kids and you're making movies for your kids, but now his kids are probably old enough that the movie he's, the movies he's making to impress them are going to be a less, a little bit less family friendly, and a little bit more, like, I don't know, whatever this the uh, the young generation represents. What's cool to his kids now is probably not the Nutty Professor, is probably more like what where he's going. Well, it's more like My Name Is Dolomite. Or is, well, I hope so, but he also has like a three year old kid. Uh-oh. So okay, well he's gonna. Be- <laughs> Yeah. Boy, well, good for you, Eddie. Good for you. Congratulations. Uh, stay virile. I don't know if you've seen his new his new wife, but uh, she's 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 pretty. Uh, she's something to look at. Oh well, let's just hope but, uh, that some of his you know the older ones are a little bit more aggro and sort of like, Dad, why don't you do something cool? You know, come on. Well, his daughters are. Uh, I believe his daughters are in Coming to America too. I think at least one of them is in there. Um, his other daughter is uh, was like a model for a while. So they followed more in their mother's footsteps. But uh, all his kids are just like, if you look at, if you look at a picture of all of his kids together, it's just like, it's the craziest picture in the world. It looks like a family reunion. <laughs> what if you found out 
that at some point that all of those all they were all played by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> it's That's the hilarious. ultimate prank. I have a, I have ten kids, but at the at the at the funeral, they all show up as char- characters played by Eddie Murphy. Uh, it's Eddie Murphy. Let's now we we do have to <coughs> excuse me. We do have to deal with uh, with one bit of controversy that we've we've been addressing on this show for okay. a while. Sure. The pronunciation of Eddie Murphy's second film, Trading Places or Trading Places? <laughs> I don't know how, however, John Landis wants to pronounce it. Well, John it. Landis, I'm glad you said it that way because John Landis says, yes, Trading Places. Because it's about Wall Street, where mm-hmm. they're Wall Street traders and they're working in trading places, but they're also trading places. Mm-hmm. But I have most right. people describe Double say entendre. trading places. They describe that movie as trading places, mm-hmm. and it dry it it I don't know it offends my ear. I want to hear trading places. So I go through a lot of my life. Again, this is one of the reasons that I have a podcast called The World is Wrong, because I have these weird little bugaboos that I feel like I need to constantly <laughs> be correcting the world in a way that doesn't that nobody nobody enjoys. I'm sure John Landis doesn't care. It's but you know, do you ever get like obsessed about little things like that? Um, yeah, but I can't think of them off the top of my head right now. But there are some things that I'm almost like, yeah, I get a little irked about that. Well, I just hope that the people I'm, I'm hoping that uh, fans of uh, the Murphy Monday podcast listen to this. And at some point in this conversation, they hear that and the next time they're talking about that film, they stop for a second and think, do I want to say trading places or trading places? <laughs> yeah, and maybe if it, maybe if it if it helps them to, to laugh at how neurotic I am about it to make them feel cool about getting it right. That's great, too. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other nodes of Murphydom that we need to touch on here. Um, now you you ask people on the show for their top fives. What's your top five Eddie Murphy films? Um, that that's that's easy. Uh, with my top five, I I normally exclude Coming to America because it's already a given. Um. You know, like that's the movie that everyone's going to have on their list. And, you know, I'm a little I'm a that's my neurotic thing about list. (laughs) Like there's always going to be something that everyone's going to put on. So my list, my list already says we all know that come to America is is the best. So we're going to put that aside. We're going to mess with these movies. The movies are um, Beverly Hills Cop, Harlem Nights. Boomerang, Nutty Professor, and Dolomite is my name. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So that that's mine. And uh, yeah, I always have an affinity for Nutty Professor because it was it was one of those movies that made me want to do stand-up comedy. It's one of those movies that made me want to work as like an actor doing multiple characters. Um it's it's one of those movies that like just made me say wow this is really funny and um it takes me to a place where coming to america doesn't at a certain point because i feel that 
there's a lull in the at toward the end of coming to America that is corrected with Nutty Professor to me. I mean, to other people it could be different, but to me, um, there's still jokes at the end of Nutty Professor that makes it more complete film for me than when I watch Coming to America. And is there any sort of dream collaboration for Eddie Murphy that you'd like to see? Like we're talking about Nicolas Cage. It's like, I'd love to see an Eddie Murphy, Nicolas Cage film. That would be awesome. Are there any, are there any collaborations you'd love to see Eddie Murphy do? You already mentioned wanting to do that. He should do a Rick James film. Any other suggestions? If you if you could talk yeah, to him now, I'll, you'd be like, you know, he's a big fan of the World Is Wrong podcast. He might be listening. So, what would you tell him? True. Um, you know what? I would love to see Eddie Murphy dream collaboration or play a, a, a character. Either one, whichever. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in collaborations, but either way. Um, collaborations. I would really love to see Eddie Murphy and Spike Lee do a movie. Oh, yeah. I would, I would really love to see how that would mesh well, because I know that they had like a little feud going on for a while. Um, but I think I would love to see what they could do together or an Eddie Murphy in, um, Denzel movie, which, uh, Eddie tried to do Eddie. Eddie pitched a movie. I, just, I was just watching this the other day. Eddie pitched a movie uh, to Paramount about a black Western where it was Eddie, Denzel, Wesley, and a couple other people. And it was in, it was in the West, and like it was going to be really, really, really good. I think he was on like Jay Leno or something like that, and he was just he was just pitching it, and I was like, I. I wonder why Eddie and Wesley had never worked together. And I was like, this would, this would be amazing to see. And, um, you know, and Denzel, like I, I, I would have loved to see something like that back then. And basically now as well. Um, I would also like to see Eddie do more, um, uh, biopics. Like I really want him to do more of those or however you want to pronounce it, biopic, biopic, whatever. Um, I would love to see him do that. I want to see him get down to like more acting. I think he has more to offer people. And I think if he does more of those roles, um, I think, I think he would be back in our great graces and people would keep calling him the goat. Yeah. It would be cool to see him doing like getting to do like work with like the way Adam Sandler worked with, uh, the Safdie brothers on Uncut Gems or Paul Thomas Anderson on yeah. Punch Drunk Love. Like I loved the I loved Mr. Church, but it wasn't like you didn't get the sense that it was directed by a master director. I'd love to see him yeah. in you know, working with a like a Coppola or uh, you know, a Miranda July or someone who's just like a really interesting up and coming or a really interesting master director. Right. And because you're right, like between Mr. Church and Dream Girls, you kind of see that. And even, and again, uh, I keep, is it My Name is Dolomite or Dolomite is My Name? What am I getting? It's Dolomite is My Name, isn't it? It's Dolomite yeah. is My Name. So, and even in that, where, you know, he's, he's acting and it's good yeah. to see him with some, some age and some weight on him and playing these characters that have lived some because god i mean 
Eddie Murphy is a guy who has lived some. He is not on the outside. Yeah. He is on the inside of life, right? I mean, he became a superstar yeah. at, at in his teen, his late teens, and he has lived the life of someone yeah. like yeah. that. And again, be, not just because of his fame, but because of his cultural relevance in the sense that pretty much every black comedian who came after him stands on his shoulders in a way that he stood on Richard Pryor's shoulders, but he was kind of alone. And now he is yeah. the, he is the the base of the mountain, right? And you see, you think about it, like people you, you, like him or Warren Beatty or these people who have been famous their whole adult lives and who you can tell they're super smart mm -hmm. and they are kind of, they're, they haven't totally dived in. They're a little bit, they stand back and they watch and they learn and I want to see him yeah. playing those kind of characters in films. Like the the smartest guy in the room. You know what's cool? You know, you know what's cool about Eddie Murphy is that you you just said you just said like he's he like a lot of comedians stand on the shoulders of him like black comedians, but not only that, Eddie Murphy revolutionized the way the stand-up comedy looks. If you look at comedy before Eddie was there, it was very straight um, shirt and tie, um, take my wife, please type jokes. It, it, there wasn't any kind of attitude. There wasn't kind of any like personality per se. Um, everybody kind of looked the same, even if they were, even if they were a black comedian, like when we first saw Richard Pryor, he was trying to be Bill Cosby, you know, um, there's so much there's so much stuff that like Eddie made it so that young comedians can have representation. Everyone was old back mm -hmm. then. Everyone like if you if you run the gambit of like and Eddie has said this himself, this is not my my term. Uh Eddie said that stand-up comedy was very old and very white. There wasn't anybody that looked like him. So to be that person that just looks different from everyone else. You got to understand that like the people in his class were Stephen Wright and Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's the, that's the gambit right there. You know what I'm saying? Like if you watch uh, comedians in cars getting coffee, Seinfeld and Eddie Murphy are like, yeah, we started on the same week at the comic strip. They're both from Long Island, New York, where I'm from. They're both from different towns in Long Island, which, you know, if it's like the it's a big suburb, basically. And just to see two different styles and two people coming from the same like pot and looking to see where their careers went. It's just like, wow. You know, there's a lot of people that that are influenced by Seinfeld. But if you look like you can look at every person that Eddie Murphy has touched the same way with Richard Pryor, you can look at every person that Richard Pryor has touched and you're like, you know that this person is a direct reflection from this person. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and Jerry Seinfeld, definitely, he is he is a young and new version of a very old thing, whereas Eddie Murphy yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. in, a way, in a way that's easier, like Jerry Seinfeld makes so much more sense as a cranky old comedian, like it was kind of curious. He was like mm -hmm. this cranky young comedian, but Eddie Murphy right. made sense as a rock star. 
so much a rock star wearing leather on stage rather than a shirt and tie. Well, and to me, it's not you know just I mean? that. Like it's Dice Clay was showing just... up in a sweatshirt on Saturday Night Live as a kid who's like gets to do his his bit. If like I remember the first time he showed yeah. up, and it was just sort of like, whoa, oh. this is like I it, it it's so hard in retrospect to to like put yourself back there. Because you're, it's colored by everything that happened after. Like if I had just seen that and Eddie Murphy hadn't gone on to do all the other stuff, would that be such a powerful moment? Or is it because every time he's done everything since then, I've remembered that moment and been like, wow. I think that's why. I think that's why a lot of times we all, we all have a different introduction to Eddie Murphy. Did I hear on your podcast that 48 Hours was supposed to be Pryor and Wilder? Yeah, probably. I, I did say that on, on the podcast. It was supposed to be Pryor and Wilder. Uh, same thing with Trading Places. It was supposed to be them as well. Uh, it was based off, the, off of uh, Stir Crazy. Uh, after Stir Crazy, they wanted uh, Wilder and Pryor together. But what ended up happening was, you know, Richard Pryor uh, set himself on fire. Yeah. I remember loving. I saw Stir Crazy in the movie theater like eight or nine times. Mm-hmm. I was so obsessed with that film when i was a kid just i have to watch that again I again i don't know if it, if it holds up but i just remember richard Pryor's being so tired and wanting his pillow 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 um yeah maybe a good double feature with with life um yeah there's so much to get into i really encourage people who uh who are listening to this conversation and who I feel like this is just scratching the surface and they want to hear more talk about Eddie Murphy to definitely check out the Murphy Monday podcast. It is, I love, I love podcasts that just dive into one artist's thing and just go deep on it. And especially someone like Eddie Murphy, who there's so much to explore that people haven't paid attention to. Right. I mean, and that's the hook. I mean, my podcast isn't just about Eddie Murphy. Like I like to get into what my guests are doing as well. Um, and I've had like, you know, different, I've, I've touched on aspects of Eddie's career from cultural aspects, from, from, uh, pop culture aspects, from like historical aspects. Like I've done, I've ran the gambit and the guests that I've had are like, you know, one of my guests was, in, was, uh, a regular on, uh, one of Bill Cosby's TV shows. You know, um, I mentioned my friend Colin Cosell, who comes from the sports world, um, I've had, I've had Monroe Martin, who's on uh, Comedy Central every day of the week. So like, it, I run the gambit of like different kinds of guests that I have on because you know most of these people are my friends. You know, um, my other friend Sterling Milan, who just finished working with uh, Will Smith. Actually, he's a, an executive with Will Smith's company, and he he basically broke down what Will's like his mantra is for life. And the the nuances and differences between Eddie Murphy and Will Smith. He was actually on set with Will Smith for Bad Boys 3 when they found out that um, Eddie Murphy was on the same lot and they went to go meet each other. And he he gives a whole full account of what happened that day. I would like to be a fly on that wall. Yes. Yes. Oh man, I'd, all of these walls, I would love to be a fly on. 
And that's where I come from. I come from, I'm just inquisitive. I like to hear people's stories and I like to relate them back to why we came there. And it's Eddie Murphy. And we find out a lot about each other from the movies that we like and the movies that we dislike. And we just find out the reasons why. And uh, speaking of being inquisitive, I don't know if you remember, do you remember what you asked as a question to the pop Oracle when you were on radio eight ball back in wow. March of 2019 sounds like it doesn't sound like it's that long ago. Right. But <laughs> I feel like we recorded that in 2018, but probably you, you know what? You're right. It was March, 2019. Yeah. It seems like it, 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 it seems longer ago than that just because of how much the world has changed since then. But do you remember what you asked on that show? It, it was something about my girlfriend that I had just started. Yeah, yes. Is she the one? Time passes. Well, well, Nigel, I, I really appreciate your, your making time to be with us and standing in the rain on a New York City or a Roslyn uh, street corner to ask your question for the Pop Oracle. What, what do you have for us in terms of your question for the Pop Oracle of Anya Marina's music? Sure. Well, basically... Uh... I've been unlucky in relationships lately. I had two bad breakups last year. Well, Anya and, has a um, song for you. Huh? <laughs> I said so Anya I, has a song for you. Oh, yes. So I had two bad breakups last year. And, uh, you know, now I'm recently talking to somebody new. She's from my past. And uh, we dated about five years ago. But my family believes that she is the one. Wow. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I believe that. So I'm, I'm hoping Pop Oracle, can you help me out? Can you let me know if she's the one? Is she the one? And now to engage the Pop Oracle on your behalf, I'm going to pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card. Song number three. It's called Notice Me. These are the days like a long summer haze. We're in outer space on the dark side of the moon.
Notice Me from Anya Marina. That's the first song on this in the set I have not heard before. Oh, wonderful, really? wonderful, great song. Love it. That was the answer to Nigel's question Is she the one? And uh, before we get into interpreting that, Anya, you want to tell us a little bit about the background I wrote of that song? This about, um, about two kids in high school. And so it's interesting that Nigel said she's from his past because this is a song about the past. Like, to me, anyway, it's about high schoolers in like the 80s or 90s or early, you know, like a few de- decades ago, listening to records. They one of them has a crush on the other, but the other one doesn't really know. And they're in bed, just friends listening to records. But there's a crush there. And this the singer or the protagonist is saying, I'm notice me, notice me. Right. Do you even notice me? I'm the one in your bed. Oh, which I think uh. it's a funny joke. Like I'm the one. Right. I never meant it to sound desperate. My mom took it that way. She didn't like it. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, uh, well, Nigel, what did you think about that as the answer to your question? Ironically, while it was playing, she texted me. Oh. What? What did she say? Uh, yes. <laughs> Come over. What did she say? She was just like, she just said, hey, you. Aw, that's not <laughs> ironic. That's called... Synchronicity. That is so perfect. Time passes. And I love checking. So you're still together. (laughs) Yeah, we're still together. Yeah, she's she is. She is the one. Um hopefully by the time that this comes out, I probably pop the question. If not, don't shoot me on social media and don't (laughs) tell her. (laughs) <laughs> wow okay well that makes me really happy because i yeah. looked at that and i was like okay i'm gonna ask about this and this is either gonna be a really heartwarming answer or i hope sort of a sad but funny and like you have a funny take on it but i'm really happy that we got the one <laughs> where she is the one because you got such a positive answer from anya marina the song notice me 
that yeah. lists all these classic rock albums <laughs> in it. And you're just like, Oh, I think, I think that's a good, that's a good sign. And, uh, and it is, that's well, funny. I'll, uh, I'll provide a link so people that's can funny. check that out. That was really fun. And I also encourage, you know, what's even yeah. funnier, you know, what's, you know, what's even funny. She, she was supposed to be here this evening. <laughs> like she was going to like sit and wait for me to finish this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's she doing instead? Uh, no, she just she just went back home. She was running errands, and um, she uh, was going to stop by. Normally, we spend uh, Sundays together, but I've seen her the past couple of days, so we kind of, you know, use a little bit of That's, a break. It's nice to be able to <laughs> but, um, quarantine at yeah. all with a, a, with a loved one. My, my girlfriend's on the other side of the country, and so we've just been talking on the phone for, oh, uh, no. for months. Yeah. But uh, I'm curious, is she... Uh, the, it's an Eddie Murphy family. There's no, there's no division. Is she, is she with you on your Eddie Murphy obsession? Oh, she, she is. Um, she's actually bought me uh, t-shirts to uh, give out to my guests and uh, she's really supportive. And uh, I, I, you know, I want to have her on the podcast. I just don't know how that would go, <laughs> but I really, you know, she is, she is somebody that has supported me wholeheartedly through this whole transition that I tried to make. Uh, doing this podcast and she's very supportive and she's very open to suggestions and always willing to give me her opinion on anything that she thinks I should do with the podcast. Well, now that I know that you have t-shirts, we have to work out a t-shirt trade. I need to get one of these Murphy Monday podcast t-shirts and I need to see you in a world is wrong t-shirt. Sure. I only have XLs right now, but I I can definitely, well, that's fine because I only have excesses. Something different. So, you will wear a tiny, tiny, tiny That's T-shirt, great. and I will wear a big, yes. like I'll be like a kid wearing his dad's T-shirt as like a as a yeah, nightgown. Yeah, they they they're pre-shrunk. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they're we have, pre-shrunk. We so have normal know. sizes. We'll get you. A, we'll get you a size that'll fit you, and I will be happy to wear to wear a tent. Um. All right. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> well, uh, well, this has been great. I, uh, I I just want to thank you for for doing this and encourage everyone who uh, is interested in Eddie Murphy to check out the Murphy Monday podcast. And I hope we've won over won you over as a fan of the world is wrong, and uh, that maybe some of you, maybe some of your Murphy Monday fans will come and check us out on a Tuesday sometime. Awesome. I will definitely, we, we need to cross promote. I'll have you on my podcast. You can talk about trading places. Oh yeah. I'll save. I'll say, I mean, uh, trading places. <laughs> I also wanted to say, I really loved your episode about Mr. Church where you, I don't know if it was the episode about Mr. Church, but the woman you were talking with about Mr. Church on a, mo- on a, the, she was so funny. She was one of the, when you were talking about his, his special grits, I won't give away her punchline. I'll just say, check it out. It's a, it is, I laughed out loud. She was so funny. Who, what was her name? Her name was uh, Vanessa Lentz. (laughs) She's, oh, you had, I, I. Okay, this is a good, this is a great way to go out. Just laughing hysterically at a joke we're not going to tell you. That's hilarious. He's Steve Lippman, and she's Candy Claire, and together we figure, figure it, it 
out. Join us as we take on life's unanswered or overly answered questions. Our guests include comedians, healers, environmentalists, bake-off contestants, and some nonsense from our beloved intern, Dine. You can send us questions and hear them answered live on the podcast. A new episode every or every other Wednesday on Paper House Network. Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm AJ. And we have a podcast called The Director's Wall. Examining a filmmaker's career, film by film. First up was M. Night Shyamalan, then Francis Ford Coppola. Who's next? Is there anything to this whole auteur theory? Find out on The Director's Wall. Subscribe by Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your preferred listening platform. <laughs> okay, that was Meet Dave with our guest host, Nigel Fullerton. And now we're joined by the real co-host of the show, Brian Connolly. Hello. Yeah, why weren't you a part of this one? Well, because I was on his show. Oh, yeah. His Murphy Mondays doing, we talked about I Spy, the Eddie Murphy, the much hated Eddie Murphy film I Spy. So, I, hate I don't know that how movie. he was able to do it. <laughs> it's so hateable. No, I haven't even seen it. I don't know it. How'd it go? It was fun. It was good. It's 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 nice to kind of share each other's podcasts like this. Like, let's keep doing that for sure. Uh, no, he's great. Uh, I re- we had a, I had a great time. So definitely check that out. Um, it's called it's called Murphy Mondays. Is that right? Is that yeah? The Murphy Monday podcast. Check out the Murphy Monday podcast. Like I think he said it was going to come out this week or around this time. This mm-hmm. episode comes out. Uh, but I'm curious to hear you tell me. What did you think about? You didn't really guys talk about it too much, but like, so I, as you said, re-edited Meet Dave to make sort of a different sort of thing called Meeting David. So I'm just kind of curious to get your take on that. Like, what did you think about it? So basically, you took out all of the science fiction, the space yeah. story of Meet Dave, and just have the sort of real world story of David <laughs> meeting. Yeah, uh, I guess mostly meeting Elizabeth Banks, Elizabeth and, Banks, uh, and the other, her yeah. kid. So it was definitely it reminded me of your filmmaking aesthetic to a certain degree. Like, <laughs> what's the thing you did with Derek Mears? Oh, uh, hunky boys go ding dong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is something about the odd, sort of uncomfortable silences and weird. You know, just weird energy that was there in meet, meeting David that reminded me totally different. <laughs> but I could feel like a mostly when I was li- when I was watching it, I felt a little bit uncomfortable because it just is a little <laughs> bit uncomfortable. And I felt so curious to know what it was that inspired you. And also, I was just kind of blown away originally by the synchronicity of this because I had talked with Nigel and we had come up with the idea of doing meet Dave. And then you told me that you had made this film, which you, you haven't done any fan edit films like this before, right? I've I've only done one other. I did a re-edit of all of Michael Bay's Transformers movies. And I took out all the Transformers and just have it be this human drama about Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. And I'm pretty proud of that. And I'll have you watch when we do the Transformers movies. We you can watch that one. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, meet meet Dave. Meeting David 
It all came from uh, my friend Neil Cook, who worked at Vulcan Video. We were watching Meet Dave in the store, and he was just like, man, can you imagine what it would be like just being the people, like the characters in the movie, interacting with this guy and not knowing that there's these little cutaways to these little people inside a giant Eddie Murphy? Like, what is their experience like? And I'm like, and I kind of knew before even it was like, I bet that would feel like if you made that movie, it would feel like being there or something like that. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm going to make, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go off and run in this idea and spend a year working on this and change the music and added some CGI doves to the end of it. And it definitely is an interesting, like, I didn't really quite know what, what it was going to be like till it was done. I did it and I did it with my good friend, uh, John Airy. John Airy helped me make that movie. Um, and, uh, he was game to just like go on this weird journey to kind of, yeah. And it has this sort of, it kind of makes it more awkward and kind of more sad and easier to sort of like, is this kind of, it's kind of like Rain Man. It's kind of, it's kind of like, there's something wrong with this guy. There's something off about this guy and he just get, his life is becoming more and more difficult, you know, because of it. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm proud of it. I think it turned out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, uh, <laughs> We'll have uploaded it by the time this episode comes out, yeah. and I'll provide a link to that in the show notes. I've actually, I'll just embed it in our web page for this uh, for this episode. Great, yeah, and I hope people see it. Yeah, I really hope people check out your episode of the Murphy Monday podcast, and that people check out this film, Meet Dave, and that y'all stick around for our next episode where we dive into a month of kid oh, mania where we go crazy did... for nicole kidman we do and you might be saying like isn't she super famous how's the world wrong about her well take give us give a listen We're, we give a pretty good argument as to how the world's wrong about her yeah so yeah and very exciting next week you can expect two episodes we are going to be putting out a sort of a Nicole Kidman bonus retrospective episode to kick off our month of Kidmania, and that uh, will come out next Monday. And then the day after, we kick off with our first film from Nicole Kidman's filmography that we are celebrating, and it is the much maligned and to us much beloved film, Bewitched. Oh, so. boy. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting week. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah I guess like, just to, to let you know, the, f the four films that we're going to be exploring in our month of Kidmania will be Bewitched, Fur, An Imaginary Portrait of Deanne Arbus, Birth from Jonathan Glazer, and Destroyer. So if you want to check out those films to get ready, I'd say... Watch all of Nicole Kidman's films in the month of March. I certainly tried to watch all of them. It's not entirely easy, but and it's, I'm not saying it's hard because they're bad. It's just hard because there are so many of them. But yeah, uh, but yeah you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong checking out yeah, Nicole no, Kidman, but I you agree. particularly can't go wrong with these four films. Yeah. So check them out. And unless we have anything else to say, no, then uh, you can reach out to us with your thoughts, comments, questions, criticisms at contact at the world is wrong podcast.com. You can find us on Instagram 
at the World is Wrong podcast. Please remember to give us nice ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts so other folks can find us. And until next time, Brian, we gotta we gotta let these folks know. Yeah. That uh you know. You wanna try and say it? Uh you know, the world is wrong and maybe it's wrong about you. That's not the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you are, the world is wrong and it's probably wrong about you. Okay, well That's close that's the same idea. <laughs> no, it's not. It's totally different. <laughs> Uh. Okay. <laughs> I really have to be going now. Thank you for the ketchup.